0: Thank you, Pastor Doug and Clementine. I do love praying with Clementine. My goodness. Well, Church, uh, as we prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord's word, if you could open up to Galatians chapter 2. And as you open up there um, with me, um, I just uh, once again just want to invite everyone just To breathe deeply together um, of of this moment and of of what God has for us. There's also in your bulletins, or if you're watching online, you can um, can go to this week's message and you can see the notes that you can follow along um, with us. And we are going to be reading from Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 14. And would you join me and stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word? Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only... They asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he stood condemned, for before certain men from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. I also wanted to take a note for everyone with us this morning here in person. If you have little ones with you and and maybe babies are crying or children are acting up, please know we embrace that here. So don't feel embarrassed. Know that that's just another proclamation of what we're all about here. And would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these truths, God. And as we learn from Galatians again this week, Lord, we just pray that you would speak. We pray that we would become overwhelmed with your truth. Lord, you know my heart. You know that I'm, I have about a million things to say it been nine weeks, maybe longer, I don't even know. And Lord, I pray that your word would be proclaimed. I pray that your message would be proclaimed and not mine. That your agenda, that your gospel agenda would be proclaimed and as Clementine and Pastor Doug prayed, God, I pray with them for unity. I pray with them for your peace. The peace that you promise by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, we pray for that, Lord. And we pray with all of our brothers and sisters together, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King. Amen. This morning, we're continuing our Galatians series And every week we've been talking about the gospel and learning all these different aspects and trying to really get after this uh, this question of what is the gospel. And so week one we just talked about the gospel, how Paul, when he's writing to the church of Galatia, he wants to make it very clear that the gospel is the grace, something that is freely given by the Lord. Through the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the cross, for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. And that brings us into peace. And we've talked about this gospel, grace and peace. And we've talked about the authority of the gospel. How the gospel has authority because it comes from Jesus, our Lord, God Himself, and also because of his relational authority. And we talked about how there must not be any other gospel, about how the gospel we must not add to it. It must be by faith alone. And as we think about the gospel, as we're looking at this passage today, the question is that, that we're gonna be asking is who is it for? What is the gospel reach? Who does it call? Who does it grab? Who is the gospel for? In this passage we see this question being asked by the early church. And as we think about this question, I wanna frame this by asking you a question that I think will help us, and this is this. Who is invited to your table? Who is invited to your table? Or for kids, maybe a better question would be who's invited to your birthday party? When you think of your friends, when you think of our community, who is invited into your home? In Scripture, there, especially in the Old Testament, there is this very communal feel and understanding of when you share a meal together, there's this intimacy, there's something about having someone prepare a meal for you, sitting around a table together and sharing together and starting to know people and know their names and know their stories. And there's this connection that happens. And in this passage that we look, up, look at, there is this conflict. You see, the early church in the beginning was mostly the Jews, the people that grew up from Father Abraham, that had spent their whole heritage following the Torah, following the law, and they had this covenant called circumcision all the way back to Abraham, and it was this covenant that they would make, and this is what set them apart as God's people. And, when, and Paul is coming along, and he is saying what Jesus did because of his work on the cross this covenant of circumcision is no longer required to be a part of God's family. It's no longer the sign. It is Jesus himself who is the sign of us having this meal together. And what's interesting in this passage as we read this is it seems that the people, these, the apostles, Paul refers to them as the pillars. Peter, James, and John them with Paul m- wrote most of the New Testament they were elevated in the early church as the leaders the ones who had authority and Paul kind of refers to them with a little bit of sarcasm the pillars who many would 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 think highly of but he is meeting with them after 14 years he has spent 14 years proclaiming the gospel sharing the gospel And then it says here in the passage that the Lord, revelation, meaning God spoke to him and said, you need to go and meet with the Jewish leaders, and you need to have a meal together. So Paul goes, and who does he bring with him? He brings a guy named Barnabas, the encourager, another Jew, and he brings Titus, a Greek. And Titus is uncircumcised. Titus is not a part of this covenant family and we see this conflict in this passage. The people are, are wondering, it says that they didn't, they, 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 they permitted Titus to be a part of stuff, but there were these other people, the Judaizers, that had a problem with this. And there's this conflict going on in this passage, And God wants this conflict to be dealt with. He wants his church to know something, a principle that is still so important today. And this is the principle, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus never plays favorites. The gospel never plays favorites. There are no favorites Everyone's invited to the birthday party. Everyone's invited to the meal of the kingdom of God together. And we see here in this passage, as we look at this in Galatians, there's this struggle with this truth. Paul writes in verse 4, verse 3, he says, Even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, Though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers, wolves in sheep's clothing, people that pretended or thought they were a part of the church, but they were misinformed and they were not truly a part of this, they secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom, that we have in Christ Jesus in the coming weeks we're going to really lean into what it means to be free in Christ but they might bring us into slavery to them we did not yield in submission we did not compromise this truth that the gospel doesn't play favorites and from those who seem to be influential You see the sarcasm there? They seem to be influential. Paul knows he has authority from God, but everyone is thinking that Peter and James have this extra authority. It makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seem to be influential added nothing to me, but he goes on and says, they offered the right hand of fellowship. This idea of offering the right hand of fellowship is an invitation to the meal is an invitation of a Jew to a Gentile saying, you are welcome at our table. And when we, as Christians, say table, we are talking about the home and being together, but we also know that this is referring to communion. This is referring to Jesus himself when he said, often as you get together, do this in remembrance of me. It is the gospel the sacrament of communion, the picture of the broken bread and the, and the blood poured out for my sins is a visible picture of an invisible spiritual reality. And God wants his church, Jew and Gentile, to know that there's no favorites, that they're all on the same playing field, that there's no tiers, that there's no pillars, that they're all together, united And I want us to get this today, and this is just as important. The gospel never plays favorites. In fact, it demands unity in Christ alone. It demands, it requires unity in Christ alone. Church, can we agree with that? As we think about our world, as we think about our Facebook feeds, as we think about the news, as we think about all the opinions, can we say that we are united in Christ alone? Can we say that we are around a table together? In Christ alone, yes, we can. We are together, amen? We must say we are together. And we may be together with people that maybe think differently, that maybe see differently, that maybe have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different lenses, but together, the the starting point is the gospel, and that is what unites us together. That is the meal that we sit at together this day. And this is the truth for us. And there is so much potential in this passage. There was one of the commentaries I read, there was this question to ask of what if they if the apostles had not extended the right hand of fellowship. What if the church had become segregated? What if the church had become Paul's gospel to the Gentiles and Peter's gospel to the Jews? We know that never would have happened because God is sovereign and in control, and His church is one, and we are the bride, and there is one bride together, God's body, diverse, unified. But I'll be honest as I look out and as I think about the world we live in with all of the COVID 19 opinions, face mask or no face mask, as I look at this week and I look at Peaceful protests, riots, as I look at what is really going on, and as I see brothers and sisters in Christ processing, I don't know that we're always processing together at a table together. And this is an important truth for us, for you and me to think about. This right hand of fellowship, I think, is so crucial. And this, I want you to understand, as we read this, this was not uh, uh, something that was done by the apostles. This was God's sovereign plan. He's the one that told Paul, you need to go to Jerusalem because I need my church. I require my church to be united. And I know it's probably a pain to go meet with those guys and, and sit down with them. And, and I'll need you also to bring Titus with you because I need you to show not only in word, but also in deed that you're sitting at a table together. And so we see this, and we see this wonderful moment where they are extending the right hand of fellowship. But as we read on, we see some slipping. You remember we were in Acts just last year and we know the story of Peter and how God spoke into Peter and worked in Peter where Peter started to understand these truths This guy named Cornelius, I would encourage you in your reading plans, you probably read about Cornelius and you read about these passages but in essence, Peter has this dream and and then starts fellowshipping with uncircumcised people, with Gentiles and all the Jews, all these people that are saying, you can't be with them. Peter says, God told me to but then he starts feeling the pressure and he slips. I get this picture of him walking into a room and seeing tables and he goes and sits and separates and starts to segregate and Paul is red hot. And Paul is saying, you just extended to me the right hand of fellowship and then you turned around and backhanded every other brother and sister. Here. And Paul is standing up to one of the key pillar voices in the church. Because here this church, as we recognize on one side, the gospel demands unity in Christ alone. We also see in this passage that it condemns, condemns division from Christ alone. It condemns division from Christ alone. There's just no place for division in the church. From Christ alone. From the gospel of grace by faith alone, in Christ alone. There seems to be this conversation going on. And it seems to me that Paul is telling Peter there's no sides here. We are on the side of the gospel. The gospel's not on my side. I am on the gospel's side. I am with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I read this passage, I would encourage you to dig into this. There is so much I'd like to say, but I want to get to the so what question. How then shall we live? How then shall we live? If I know that we're called, just like Paul and Peter, to unity, how then shall we live? Well, first, for me... And you, I think we must repent from playing favorites. We must repent from playing favorites. And we must do so honestly. It's so easy for me to look out and see the world and, and and put my judgments and my opinions on the world. But I also must look at my own self. I also must remind myself, Lord, do I have some division in my heart? Is there a brother or a sister that I need to have a conversation with? That I need to sit at the table with? Maybe someone that looks a little different than me or thinks a little different than me. Is there conversation to that? This past week, there was a peaceful protest here in town. And I I went to it. I went to listen and to pray and to learn. And as I was there, they were, they were walking, and I was walking, trying to process everything that's going on in our nation. And as we were walking, I looked back, and all of a sudden, there was a black brother and sister walking behind me, mask on. and I felt afraid. And as I've been thinking about that, I started to realize, after talking with that brother, a guy named Alan, who's an incredible man of faith, a brother, an ally, that there was something in me that caused this this unnecessary fear. I should have been, yes, you're with me, I'm with you. And what is beautiful about that is I have to repent of of those feelings, but also I get to have conversations with those that, that are different than me and learn. And that is convicting to me as we think about these times. As we think about this controversial word, black lives matter, that often is politicized, but the word itself says something. And being okay with having conversations with people to listen and learn, and conversations that are at a table, not through a screen. And I think for many of us, there's there's repenting that needs to be done. And this is not just about race, this is just about my own heart. This is about everything. There's no division. I think secondly, is we invite diversity to your table and listen. Ask that question who is invited to your table Think about your dinner table think about your family Think about the conversations that we have to our kids are we a people that invite diversity to our table that invite conversation and dialogue to our table We must be I must be talking with Chief Revere here in town. What an incredible man. What an incredible leader in our community. Talking with us, having conversations together around a table. This is, when I think about this passage in Galatians, this is what the church is doing. They're having conversations around a table united in Christ alone. And the question we ask ourselves is, who is my neighbor? We see this passage, we see this question being asked in the New Testament with Jesus himself. Somebody says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who am I called to love? Who am I called to invite to the table? And Jesus tells a parable. Do you remember the parable? It's a parable of the good Samaritan. And in the parable, oftentimes we think I'm the good Samaritan. I am to go to those that are different than me, those that are against me, those that have hurt me, and I am to care for them. Yes, that's the passage, but the truth of the good Samaritan is when Jesus is telling that story, we're supposed to relate to the person on the side of the road the person who needs help, the person who needs grace, the person who needs somebody to show up and, and, and help us and save us from death. And we know that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan is Jesus Christ. And Jesus has saved me from my sin. Jesus has saved me from my division. Jesus has saved me from my evil intent. And because of that, we go and do likewise. Do you see this truth? And so this is what fuels us. This is why we sing in Christ alone. This is why we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is why our feast is in Christ alone with his broken bread and his righteous blood poured out for you and me. And this is why this is what we focus on. So as we think about how then shall we live, yes, we repent. Yes, we invite dialogue. And also, we don't forget the poor. Look at this passage here. It's kind of random, I think, as I read this. They're having this conflict and then they extend the right hand of fellowship and in verse 10, Paul says, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And in this case, when he's talking about the poor, he's talking about the people in the church that are struggling. There's a famine at the time and they're struggling. And he's saying, church, as you go out, don't forget those that are struggling. Don't forget those that need your help to support and lift them up. Don't forget the poor. And this is what we must think about as a church. We must, as a church, be united together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to be primary, and everything else is secondary. So what I wanted to do, I could probably preach for another hour, but I think most of us want to sing. And the most important thing we could do this morning is to take communion together. The most important thing we could do together this morning is to be reminded that we are united together. The most important thing we could do is to sit at a table together and know that we are united through Christ alone. And to have conversations, including conversations with me, to learn together and grow together and ask as God's bride, Lord, what would you call us to do in these times? I think one thing, we need to smile more. That was one of the survey questions I got back. Logan, you need to smile more, you look so upset. And I am upset, because this is what I'm all about, right? But. We need to smile more. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's be a people, see I'm starting to preach and I said I wouldn't, That smile more. That understand that we are filled with the very spirit of God and know that his fruits will grow out of us and we are together, right? So in a few moments, if you haven't got the elements and you would like to partake in communion, I would invite you to, I'm gonna pray and you can can head out to grab the elements. There are elders out there that will give you the elements. And as you open the elements, there's a little um, container with grape juice in it. Or if you're watching online and you have some juice and some bread, I would encourage you to grab it. But be careful if you're here opening the grape juice, I've been instructed that we do not want grape juice marks all over the pews, please. And as we prepare our hearts for for this time, this meal together, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we recognize we are your people, and Lord, We also recognize that we are invited to your table together. And Lord, as we come to your table, would you prepare our hearts? Lord, Jesus, pray for unity. Pray for wisdom. And that your fruits would flow out of this body. I pray, Lord, that each of us would be thinking this week, God, who can I invite to my table? That perhaps there is a Titus, someone that is maybe different than me, that would love to be at the table with me. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church where we recognize and where the the world sees that we sit at a table together. I pray, Lord, that your gospel would continue to be what unites us. That you would continue to work in my heart and in our hearts for your kingdom, God. We give this time to you, and we trust you to work and move, and we pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. So the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, he took bread and he broke it. And as he broke it, he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, church, as we eat, we remember, we hope, and we eat together, together. This is the body of Christ given for you. The bread which we break is the communion of Christ. Take and eat. the cup saying this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink of it do this in remembrance of me this is the blood of Christ shed for you The cup of this blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take and drink. And church, bride, body of Christ... You're really loud. (laughs) Jesus, our Savior, said this, declared this. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Apostle Paul wrote, every time you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you proclaim, we proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you that you have fed us in this sacrament that you have united us with Christ and given us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet in your eternal kingdom. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and your glory for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the son and of the holy spirit. Amen. Church, as we wrap up this service, we're going to I invite you to stand and sing with us Nothing but the blood. To sing these gospel truths about who Jesus is. So, could you would you stand with us? and sing together these truths.